1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Hey guys, this is Aaron with the Hunting Public. Welcome to the Impact Outdoors Podcast. Let's fire it up. Yeah, if you're new to it and you're just getting it and you're just getting into it, uh, your first instinct is gutting going to take you out there first light in the morning with everybody else because everybody wants to hear turkeys gobble, and you're going to hear the most of them first thing in the morning when they're on the roost and you can hear them from further distance and you don't have wind to deal with and all those things so that's the thing that you have to kind of fight though is you're going to want to go out there and dive right in on those birds but what I, I think if you're just patient you don't need to know what all of the all the tricks or of the trade, if you will, right off the bat, but if you're just patient and you just mark where you hear turkeys and then spend time slipping into those areas and slipping out of those areas without spooking the birds, eventually you'll find yourself in a situation where you can capitalize on it and you can kill one.
0: All right, welcome back everybody to this week's episode Impact Outdoors Podcast and and we are finally wrapping up deer season here in texas where i'm at and you know all the thoughts are shifting towards the spring and what's coming and uh super excited to be having turkey season coming up here in a few months and and so really i wanted to kind of dedicate this episode to um to kicking off a preview for turkey season 2023 and who better else to have on than um, my buddy aaron warbritton from the hunting public and um so we Really excited to have Aaron on the show today. Kind of give us a wrap up of their deer season this past year and what they're expecting to to possibly do this coming year for turkeys and stuff and talking about a lot of other cool things about habitat improvement and stuff like that. So we're really excited to have Aaron on the show today and uh, really think you'll learn a few things and, and get some ideas on some stuff you can do if you own your own private land and, and want to help uh, you know, create better habitat um, areas for, for not only turkeys but other wildlife as well. So let's jump right into this week's episode with Aaron Warbritton from The Hunting Public. Well, uh, we are uh, wrapping up deer season here in Texas, and um, I thought it'd be a great way to kick off this year for looking at turkey season, so I got my buddy Aaron Warbritton from the hunting public on, and uh, Aaron, how you doing, man?
2: Pretty good, man. Good to see you.
0: Good to see you too, man. So y'all all all done
2: hunting deer for this year? Yeah, I think I've hung it up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We could still be chasing them down south, and I would like to have been in position to do that but it was a it was a struggle for me this year so i've spent i've spent enough time in the deer woods at this point i need to get caught up on work and all kinds of stuff around the house that we've been putting off and putting off so yeah there's there's all kinds of other things that pretty much get shelved come september one and then they don't get touched again until we're done deer hunting so i'm done i've got i've got to get all of these other things accomplished here in the next month or two so that i can leave to go turkey hunting
0: yep yeah you got a list of honeydews i'm sure and and uh get geared up for for uh um turkey season so i heard you're gonna be at nwtf this year right
2: yeah we'll all be there we've got we've got a booth um right next to the woodhaven group and awesome we were there uh i believe it was was it the year of the pandemic no i think it was the year before that i
0: think it was yeah, it seemed like it's two years ago when we seen y'all there. So, yeah, what's <clears throat> yep. good, man? I'm looking forward to being back in Nashville again this year. So, um,
2: and and
0: hearing all the calls and just get the adrenaline pumping to get ready. So, yeah,
2: that's that's kind of like the green flag for turkey season, right there. Heck yeah, heck
0: yeah. So, so how, um, you? Know, I've watched a bunch of the the episodes this this last deer season and stuff. But I mean, just ra- kind of wrapping up how y'all season went. I mean, it looked pretty successful, but it was, it, was it, um, a struggle? I mean, more so than the year before, or just as far as pressure and stuff and w- dealing with the weather. And I mean, y'all were hunting in all kinds of, of terrain and, uh, and weather s- scenarios this season.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was a, it was a struggle personally for me, but as a group, we did pretty good. I mean, and I'm not complaining e- everybody in the group. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Everybody in the group got at least one buck. Um, and, you know, we've had years in the past where we, we struggle as a group to even, you know, shoot anything. So I was pretty, pretty pleased with how it all turned out. We went into the season with no deer meat. Like we, we basically ran out of deer meat about June of last year. So we went into the season with literally nothing in the freezers and yeah. uh we ended the end of the year with a bunch of tags filled and uh yeah we're we're in good shape heading into turkey season but personally for me i struggled i i had a good start to the season and then i had a good end to the season but uh you know the meat between the sandwich bread there was pretty yeah. rough it was uh i think i hunted like uh 45 or 46 times with a bow around home and didn't i had maybe one opportunity at a buck that i passed up with ted and then outside of that it was just really slow for me but i I don't think that was the case across the board it was just you know i spent way too much time hunting a couple of really big bucks that i did not have a good feel for where they were at i just found them on cameras earlier Mm -hmm. in the fall and was like well and everybody else was killing bucks so that's freeing them up to go and film so i was like well we might as well go try to shoot these couple of these big suckers that i got on trail camera and that's what i spent the whole rut doing and never never saw one of them so yeah
0: Yeah, it's crazy man down here in texas i mean it was kind of all over the place but where we hunt in the hill country you know it was it was pretty tough and we had to the bad drought early this season. Yeah. And then um we had a little bit of rain, you know, late spring and then it just got so hot and dry and just I mean, there's cedars dying all over the hill country and when you see that, you know it's it's pretty bad and uh you could tell, you know, you know just hunting low fence and and you know, everything down here's private. So I mean, we're feeding protein and stuff like corn and stuff like that, but uh you can even with all the supplemental stuff, you know, the deer, you know, still you know, rack size and things like that just weren't up to what they normally have been the last few years and stuff. So and I didn't even shoot a, a deer this season off our deer lease. I got all my deer in Missouri this year. So, um, which was fine because the deer up there, as you know, are about three times bigger than what we got in central Texas. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. A little more meat I think maybe like up
2: north. Eight,
0: eight, eight or nine hill country deer versus what's <laughs> up there. So, <laughs> yep. um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been good. And then as soon as, soon as uh gun season was over and, and stuff on our place. You know, we've seen the few big bucks that we had spotted early season. You know, they just show right back up like clockwork. So, um, but hopefully they'll stick around for next year and hopefully, um, we'll have a good, uh, a good off season for them to, and get some rain so they can raise these fawns up this spring. So, you know, and just, awesome. man, just, I don't know. It just seems like these droughts just keep popping up every few years and stuff. And, and, uh, like acorns and, and things like that. And, um, just hopefully we can get out of this pattern we're in here the last ten or so years and, and get some better some better weather and stuff and across the country. I mean, it seems like oh yeah, the whole country kind of faced a lot of those issues this year. So yeah, Nick's got uh,
2: he's got a place just to the south of you guys, and he was talking about how that drought was affecting them down there. He mm-hmm. just was like, "There's hardly any acres there where he was at because they yeah. oaks hadn't had any water to produce." just stresses the deer really badly and that's the way yeah. it was down even in the southwest part of the country you know the last couple of years i think they've had two or three of the last four years been droughts but yeah. i'm not sure if that's right exactly but i know they've had at least two really bad ones in the last couple of years yeah that's hard on deer. yeah i
0: mean just kind of the way it goes i guess you can't really do nothing about it but but uh yeah you know we it hasn't slowed the pigs down down here any oh my gosh i've seen more damn pigs this year than probably any year before i mean we were out hunting last (laughs) night on a on a high fence ranch over in junction texas at my buddy's place and uh, just doing some some coal hunts for him and and um there was three of us and all three of us all had pigs come out you know within 30 minutes of each other last night so we all end up harvesting some pigs and and uh, i think we shot five or six this this weekend so that's, that's a good time so, yeah yep so um but you know those those pigs you know, you've been down here hunting them quite a bit with the ranch ferry and stuff and getting into them so that's they're fun to target man you you can't predict them things it seems like for nothing and watching them on camera and then you go in and try to hunt them and they just disappear or change to completely nocturnal and whatnot so
2: yeah they're very fun. hit or miss but man they're fun i wish we could yeah i wish we could kill more of them because it doesn't seem like we're putting a dent in the population at all they just keep expanding and expanding but they are fun to hunt
0: yeah they are and they taste good so yeah. but well um getting geared up for turkey season for y'all's turkey tour this year y'all got some big plans for this year i know y'all are kind of still in the process of getting everything put together i guess but uh
2: yeah we are we're we haven't made any concrete plans yet on what we're doing. Um I'm waiting for Minnie and Greg to get back from Africa. They're down there on a mission trip right now, and then yeah. once they get back, we'll probably reconvene as a group and kind of figure out what we're gonna do for the spring. Um, but I'm not real sure we we funded a a research project in South Central Kentucky that should be kicking off this spring, and I was just talking to Dr. Chamberlain about that kind of the details behind that and that's going to be one of our plans is to get through there and kind Mm -hmm. of check in on that project maybe film a segment or two with those researchers down there and see what kind of progress they've made but that's that's something I'm interested in and I uh, I don't really know we I don't know where we're gonna go I would like to get back to the northeast this spring because we haven't we we hunted up there a couple of couple of springs back but i didn't get up there at all last year yeah um and uh yeah i just there's some areas that we go every year like i'm sure that we'll go out west at some point um and we usually go down south for a week or two as well but beyond that i mean we just kind of bounce around all over the place and i'm not real sure what everybody's got in mind yeah so,
0: with the research project y'all that y'all were helping with, um, what is that um, research looking like? What are they aiming to do over there? This it's spring? pretty
2: similar to the to the previous projects that uh, we've helped support. You know, in Georgia and Alabama and Missouri, um, mm-hmm. it's a reproductive study that's sort of aimed at to um, identifying what nest success looks like in that part of the part of the state. And there's a number of other things that they're doing as well, because we, we had several others pitch in, including turkeys for tomorrow on that study. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I can't remember, I can't remember what all they're doing. They may be doing blood testing on, on captive birds as well, which is like disease testing, genetics testing. Um, usually they just capture and ban hens to monitor reproduction. But in on some of these studies, whenever they can get extra funding, they will uh, ban some toms as well, or some male birds. I mean, even jays, yeah. and uh, you know, put radio GPS on them mm-hmm. so that they can monitor them throughout the spring, monitor their movements, which is especially interesting whenever they do that on public land, because you can you can see on especially heavily hunted public areas you can see sometimes some pretty erratic behaviors with those toms once, uh, turkey season starts in that's not a, you know, depends on the amount of hunting pressure that's in the area, but the research that they've, that they've collected in the last, uh, 25, 30 years is pretty interesting. Just seeing how basically turkeys respond to hunting pressure. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And it's been cool. Um, you know, helping with some of the projects down here that TPWD is doing and, and um, in conjunction with like NWTF with, with stocking these birds from, yeah. from other States and stuff. And they're doing the same thing, you know, putting uh, uh, radio collars on them and using that and telemetry and all this other stuff and seeing how some of these birds are, are their ranges are huge. And some of them are staying certain, you know, certain smaller areas and stuff. And um, just like you're talking about, just based on a lot on pressure and, and stuff on like hunting, but most of the birds are stocking down here on areas that are still closed to hunting that they're trying to reestablish easterns in and um but they're making some really good progress and um we've been getting a lot of birds from maine the last two years yeah um and uh, they just had a release last i believe last week or the week before um that we were able to go up to that site last year i was able to take my two kids up there and they got to release some birds which is oh really that's cool, cool um and see them take off but uh it's cool you know seeing all the work you know between different states and i mean it's just cool you know how all this this plan pans out with everybody and everybody trying to help these birds get reestablished established and get better and numbers and things like that and, and more hunting opportunities for us so
2: yeah that would be great but, I, I there's a lot of changes happening all over the place but research is definitely still top of mind for us um it's you know it's Everybody, a couple of years ago, whenever uh, we started realizing that there was a widespread issue with, you know, populations, especially with Easterns, everybody sort of jumped on the research bandwagon immediately. But since then, that fire, that flame has kind of, you know, fizzled out somewhat. But they, yeah. I, what we always say is like, this is a process, you know. I mean, most of these projects, they're not one-year research projects. They're multi-year yeah deals i mean and that's to because there's all kinds of things that you can't control if you just did a one-year project and you had just off awful weather that year that produced terrible nest success then you it, you wouldn't learn near as much mm-hmm. but by doing it multiple years in a row you can average that out over a wider s- span of time and draw a little bit better data and better conclusions on what's going on
0: yeah and it's hard to it's hard to explain that To people in the public, you know, understand. I mean, well, they know we got a problem, and they
2: want the solution just like that. And uh, I mean, the only quick solution that I see is to go out and and improve your habitat on whatever land that you have access to. And the good thing with the good thing with turkey habitat, especially when it comes to like brood rearing and and uh, nesting habitat and stuff, is burning is pretty easy to do, and It if you do it during the right time of the year you can create a lot better habitat for those hens to raise their broods in Mm -hmm. you know and that's 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 what i really like about that aspect of it and i think that that i think that's slowly starting to gain traction you know uh, all over the the place there's more and more folks out there that see that we've got issues but I've looking at a lot of a lot of these properties and I get calls all the time from folks that manage and have managed their properties for turkeys for some time and the vast majority of them aren't seeing the declines that a lot of others are. And yeah. I you know <clears throat> that's not research necessarily that's just anecdotal me talking to guys all over the country but I think there's something to that. Like the mm-hmm. the folks that are that are basically managing their trigger finger and they're improving habitat every year. They may even be doing some trapping and predator control on their properties. The yeah. folks that are doing that in the off season and have been for some time, there's they've still got good turkey populations in their areas. Locally, yeah,
0: I know. I think the the burning the burning stuff just scares a lot of people, <laughs> and you know that, that one do it. my buddy was was put together a co-op down here yeah. to become a super stock site for for the state and and um, that was the number one issue he had was getting all the landowners because they got cumulatively i think like twenty five thousand acres in this co-op that they were trying to manage to get these birds released on and and um the fire was the, the biggest thing you know people were good and, and clearing and stuff like that but just you know um these turkeys like they, they can't have this thick grass and, and stuff. They got to be able to get away from these predators and, and stuff. And, and we've got some, some places that are real good examples that the national forests and stuff down here, you know, where they burn quite a bit and, you know, they burn these areas and man, sometimes these turkeys are moving back in while it's still on fire. Oh yeah. They'll you know, do that. Everywhere. It's crazy, man. Yep, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. they'll, so, they'll get right back in there. I mean, their beards will yeah. be singed. <laughs> yeah they don't care it's
0: it's crazy but it does work man and and um you know predator management that's been something that's that's been brought up a lot more here lately too you know um and just all the all the animals that prey on these nests and stuff man i mean most people wouldn't even think you know they do this skunks and coons and 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 all this and uh we've been doing a lot of uh a lot of we've had a big issue with raccoons over at our place and I i don't even know how many we've trapped um, with the, the leg traps and stuff or the hand, hand traps, you know, yep. um, this year, I mean, probably 30 to 40, just on our little area that we're hunting about 500 acres. So, um, and you can tell we've made a difference in them cause they're not showing up on our cameras near as much as the feeder. So, yeah, <laughs> but. They sure they do. They do get thick and they reproduce the dang fast. It's kind of hard to stay on top of them without that. So
2: yeah, and they're, they're used but. to, I mean, when I was a kid, all kinds of my buddies and my cousins and family members and stuff, we, we all coon hunted all the time. And then there was actually a decent amount of, of guys in our community that trapped and they were able to make enough money at the time trapping to at least pay for their gear and stuff. I just mm-hmm. remember that. I remember going to high school and all the trucks there at high school from all, most of the guys had, you know, radio antennas from where they, where they were because they were coon hunters. Yeah. You know, and they'd go out in those big groups and they'd radio back and forth. This is before cell phones and all that stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, cause I'm getting older. But uh,
0: back in the stone age.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of guys that coon hunted. And then slowly over the last 20 years, you've kind of seen that fizzle out and you've seen those predator populations increase. But it's also a habitat issue. You know, I mean, habitats are becoming more conducive for predators than they are mm-hmm. for turkeys. So, I mean, turkeys are kind of getting beat at both ends right there where their their habitat's becoming less desirable for them. Yeah. And it's becoming more desirable for the all the things that eat them. So that's a, that, that's a tough one. It's good to trap for... I feel like it's good to trap for short-term success and then, uh, build and create better habitat for long-term success.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, is, my buddy Chester Moore down here, he, he's always saying, you know, what's, what's good for the turkeys is good for everything else. Yeah, I mean, if you, if yep. you do this, everything else is going to flourish, you know, that you're wanting to help. And, um, and it's so true and stuff. And, and, um, you know, think, um, social media you know in the last several years has really helped seeing a lot of this stuff you know i know you posted a video yesterday y'all burning down there in missouri and stuff and and um just people seeing that and seeing the success of that i think it's just only going to help you know in the future
2: yeah i was really intimidated by it at first with the burning um just because like that a fire gets out of control or something and that's that's nerve-wracking obviously there's a lot of anxiety attached to that Mm -hmm. but Um, the more I've done it now and been around it in the last couple of years, uh, as long as you have a legitimate plan going into it, you don't do, you know, when you think about it before you do it, it's pretty safe and efficient. It's, it's super efficient. Um, but just learning like how to set backing fires and how to avoid, you know, head fires with tons of fuel and, in windy situations there's just there's just mm-hmm. uh there's a bunch of stuff that you can learn now that's out there on the internet about how to do this and we just burned that i don't know 12 acre pasture at dad's farm uh the other day and it was just me my cousin one of his buddies and my old man out there we just had some backpack yeah. blowers and a drip torch and you yep. That we we had a side by side there too, but we never even needed it. We just walked the perimeter of it. We mm-hmm. we basically built fire breaks using a tractor and a brush hog, and we just mowed them low about the width of that brush hog all the way around that field. And then yeah, uh, yeah that we just use that as a fire break. And then once the fire reaches the edge of that break, you just go down through there with that blower and blow it out, and you're done. Yeah, pretty easy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah so like i said it works man it's proven
0: uh, it's 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 a really quick turnaround man stuff you'll get new shoots and stuff coming up from plants you hadn't seen growing there for a while oh yeah and um it, it comes back really quick so yep well um talking about all this habitat stuff and everything is like um let's i mean kind of talk about early season turkey hunting and stuff you know i mean down south obviously opens up first you know we got florida and Alabama and some of these other states kind of in the southeast and and over you know with your experience and stuff hunting turkeys like <clears throat> what are some issues I mean
2: facing you know, early season hand up so, I mean, turkeys yeah end up turkeys and not a lot of foliage yep. um, so it's early you're just coming out of winter basically in some of those early openers which a lot of those states are starting to move their openers back a little bit which I think should increase the numbers of turkeys and should also increase the quality of the hunting. Because some of those really early openers are, are it's tough sledding. Like that's when that's when everybody hits the woods at once down there. Um, and actually anywhere, wherever, wherever you've got an opening day in any state, you know, that opening weekend or opening day is going to get a lot of attention from hunters because everybody's got, you know, They've been locked in their house all winter and they're ready to get out. I don't blame them a bit. So you got pressure. That's number one. Then you got early season, um, groups of toms with hens. So like they're breeding, they're breeding hens or they're getting ready to breed hens. So they have these, yeah. some toms have got several hens with them and they're staying with them all day, you know? Yeah. So you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with quiet birds because of that those two factors and then like i mentioned before the the other deal is the lack of foliage in some situations because it's not late enough in the spring for that stuff to grow um so yeah i mean you got a lot of things stacked against you
0: so are you you think i mean is it better you know for for somebody getting into turkey hunting now hunting in scenarios like this to to stake up on a certain location where they know these birds are traveling, you know, and just not call near as much if, if any, or until you come close to some, or I don't know, you know, down here it stays pretty warm. So the foliage is usually not as big an issue here in Texas. Sure. In some places, I mean, obviously hunting in the hill is everything's about this tall. So, I mean, right. you know, you're kind of there, but, um, as far as like East Texas and stuff, I mean, it's pretty green, you know, most of the year. So,
2: Yeah, if you're new to it and you're just getting it and you're just getting into it, uh, your first instinct is going to take you out there first light in the morning with everybody else because everybody wants to hear turkeys gobble. And you're going to hear the most of them first thing in the morning when they're on the roost and you can hear them from further distance and you don't have wind to deal with and all those things. So that's the thing that you have to kind of fight, though, is you're going to want to go out there and dive right in on those birds. But what I, I think if you're just patient, you don't need to know all of the all the tricks or of the trade, if you will, right off the bat. But if you're just patient and you just mark where you hear turkeys and then spend time slipping into those areas and slipping out of those areas without spooking the birds, eventually you'll find yourself in a situation where you can capitalize on it. And you can kill one. What I mean by that is, I guess to go in a little more detail is, I, what I'll do is I'll hear a turkey gobble from the roost and I'll mark them where they're at. And then I might leave them alone early in the season, especially mm-hmm. if there's other people nearby. Because the the chances are those other hunters are going at those, those turkeys that are gobbling. And they're going to set up 150 yards away from the roost tree. Those turkeys got hens, so they're going to fly down and they're going to go quiet. And then those other hunters are going to fart around in there for another hour or two, and then they're going to leave. And that's when I like to slide in there. So, yep. I mean, if you've got the time and you have the patience, just find out where there are some turkeys. That's the number one thing. And the easiest way to do that is by hearing them or seeing them if you're in open terrain. But most of the south is mm-hmm. is heavily wooded. So if you can just hear them either before the season or during the season, and drop a pin on them, and then slide back in there when there's nobody in there, which those times tend to be in the middle of the day or the afternoons or the evenings. Obviously, the woods are going to be crowded first thing in the morning, but that's what yeah. I like doing is just slipping in and out of those areas. I may, you know, it may take me two, three tries of going in and out of there. Like, I might hear one in there at first light, then back off of him go in there at 11 a.m., slide down in there and hit a call a few times. If I don't hear nothing, I might sit down for 30 minutes. And then if I don't hear nothing or see nothing, I'll back out and go get something to eat. Mm -hmm. And then maybe come back four hours later, 4 PM. And I'll do the same thing. I might slide in there from a different uh, direction or the same direction. Um, But the main, the main thing there is just not taking extra care not to spook the birds because when they got hens, that's a, that's a, tendency you'll have is especially early on is if they quit gobbling you'll have the tendency to walk up there where you hurt them and sometimes those birds ain't very far from that and if you bump them out of there well then you're in trouble because you're yeah. just educating them they're going to get harder and harder to hunt but yeah. if they go quiet and you just let them have the woods for a little bit you know three four five hours later is a long time to a guy sitting in the woods up against a tree you know, by hour or two, you're getting uncomfortable, you're getting hungry, you're ready to go, but two, three, four, five hours later, those turkeys may fire back up again.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think probably 75% of the turkeys I've shot probably been between 10 a.m. and three or four o'clock in the afternoon.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I can't think of hardly so. any early season that I've killed first thing. I mean – uh, that's not true. I mean, down south early season, I guess, I've we've only killed a few of them first thing. And that's yeah. if that's if we roost them or we know the spot where they've been roosting often, and we get in there and get right up under them. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. just kill them as soon as they hit the ground or, or shortly thereafter. But the majority of the success we have early when we're dealing with hand-up turkeys like that in heavily pressured areas is middle of the day or the afternoon yeah
0: yeah it's kind of the same kind of tactics with deer there i mean yeah you know you know when the, everybody goes back to the house to eat breakfast and stuff at nine ten o'clock that's when they start moving again yeah. so um but but uh well that, that's good to know for people you know especially getting new hunters coming into the sport and stuff and and um you know i've, I've talked with several people about just turkey hunting in general i mean me and because were talking about it uh last year when we when he was on and just how um for some reason harvesting a turkey shooting a turkey just seems more realistic for people to accomplish than shooting a deer for their first animal or something like that i mean you still see you see it
2: kind of like that or i mean just kind of depends on what your goals are i would definitely say shooting a turkey is easier than shooting a mature buck yeah um you know it's mature bucks And hunting them, deer hunting with a bow, it'll make you pull your hair out. Because you can't hear them. A lot of times they live in areas where you can't see them. So a lot of it is left up to luck. And you just got to put yourself in a bunch of positions where you can essentially get lucky and catch one coming by you. I mean, there's, there's areas where you can put yourself in a position where the probability goes up a certain percentage. But it ain't like turkey hunting where you know, you're on the offense a lot of times whenever you're whenever you turkey on, because you're hearing a turkey or you're seeing them at a distance and you're moving in tighter to them. Like, you're, you're just in the – I feel like you're in the action or you're in the game more with turkeys than you are yeah. with a mature buck. But I don't know if I would agree with that totally. Like, if you were wanting to just get started and have success deer hunting, as long as you don't have any, you know – I guess expectations to shoot a monster buck. If you were, if you were just going to go deer hunting for the first time and like I did when I was a kid and be tickled with the first thing that walked by, then, uh, you could certainly have success doing that. If you're patient and if you're able to hold still for, you know, a few hours at a time, I think most parts of the country have got, you know, stable enough deer herds that you can get out there and have success doing that. But well, turkeys it's just a lot i I love turkey hunting because it's just it's so different from the grind of the fall deer hunting where you're just you're sitting and you're waiting or you're still hunting through the woods and you're just there's a so much watching and listening and just looking at leaves blowing in the wind for <laughs> days and days <laughs> on end turkey hunting is yeah, not like is, that as is, you know
0: it, it is fun man i mean like i said turkey hunting is my favorite thing to do as far as hunting hunting wise and and just because it is so interactive man just yep. being able to talk to these birds and and you know somewhat communicate with them trying to coax them in you know do something that they're really not used to doing trying to get them to come to you um it's just pretty cool and i'll never forget the first gobbler i ever had come in man i just sat there in amazement for probably 10 minutes and watched him do his thing you know around the decoy and uh just couldn't believe you know it worked. Yeah. It's like, how cool is this, man? This thing's like 15 <laughs> feet in front of me. Yeah. It doesn't even see me here. It's awesome. And, uh, and, uh, just never, never will forget that. And I remember the, f- the first time my wife went with me and she was sitting with me we called a bird and we worked this bird for probably an hour and a half, just trying to coax him in. He f- you know, we, he finally come in and we had to get him through a fence and which was, which sucked. And and he finally come in, and same thing. I mean, he was 10, 12 yards from us and he walked, you know, drumming and spitting and doing his dance. And, and my <laughs> wife kept looking at me, just like, I can't believe this. And, and she never hunted before yeah. this. And and we ended up shooting that bird or I shot it. And when I got done, she's like, I think I could kill a Turkey. <laughs> yep, And, and she did the next year. So, um, that's pretty cool. And, and, uh, I can't wait to get my kids out on it. So yeah the miles might, out there maybe. miles
2: might go this spring i'm not sure yet um but we might try to we might try to get him out there he's 11 and yeah. he went deer hunting with me a couple times this fall and uh, one time was brutal i mean it was super cold wind was blowing hard Oof. and we uh we just sat on the ground on five gallon buckets and i was like man we ain't gonna make it 10 minutes out here but we sat for two hours <laughs> didn't see a single deer and finally he said i'm starting to get cold i'm like all right let's go but as soon as we got back um you know we got back to the truck and he warmed up within a few minutes and he's like when can we go again because <laughs> yeah not, so we may try getting him out there at some point here soon yeah. but turkey hunting is a great way great thing for that because it's just yeah. so so active i figure if he can make it out there deer hunting right now and not seeing anything for hours on end, he's really going to like turkey hunting, I would think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's really good at, at sitting out there all day with me. So my boy, uh, he he moves quite a bit. So he, he's, still, <laughs> I mean, he just turned six, you know? So yeah, he loves going, man. We, we went a couple of weeks ago and we ended up getting a pig. We, we stocked up on one in the dark. And uh end up getting one and uh he had his nerf gun and and I had the rifle, so we were very well prepared that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> but um so you know kind of going through the season and stuff I mean you see the the I mean, public lands just you know there's always issues with with dealing with people and stuff yeah but the the um the tactics and stuff going towards late season with with most of the hens being bred by then. I mean, do you just see the, over time, the success rate, you know, higher later in the season and yeah, you know, being able to talk to these birds more?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I went, I think one of the first years we hunted down south, that might've been like the third or fourth year I was down there. I think it took us seven or eight days before we even got an opportunity. We ended up killing the turkey. But, like, we literally didn't have an opportunity in the first seven or eight days of hunting on public land. And I believe that was in Mississippi back in, I don't know, it was ten years ago or so. Um, But, like, that's that's rough. In a lot of those days, we were only hearing one, two gobbles, maybe. That's it. <laughs> like, they were not talking very much on the roost. They were flying down getting with hens. And it was just a grind until we eventually... We eventually scouted and found where they were coming back to roost, and got in between them and the roost, and caught one of them sliding in there about an hour yeah. before dark and killed him. But yeah. as it gets later in the season, I feel like our success per day goes up quite a bit. So, like where it, where it may take us five, six, seven days to scratch one out early in the year, towards uh, once we get into May, it seems like we're we're killing one every other day. As a group, not individually, you Mm -hmm. know, because we got five, six, seven people out in the woods at any given day across the country. But when we get into May and it greens up, it starts to warm up. People start worrying about ticks and start thinking about crappie and, (laughs) you know, fishing and mushrooms and all that. Like, yeah, people start to take their focus away from turkeys about the time when they start getting freed up from those hens. So Mm -hmm. the amount of gobbling goes way up. The amount of turkeys in the woods that have no hens is up. And then you have all this foliage that you can use to move on birds. So you can get, you can hear them, you can get tight to them. And I think that's, that's one of the secrets of turkey hunting is just being able to hear them and get close enough to them to, Make a call and get them to come in, you know, and that that we we just seem to have way better luck doing that. The later it gets, and it's a slow progression from March through April and then to May. But man, we usually just crush them in May.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's see the same thing down here. I mean, it's it's you know our our season for Easterns, which is, um, is relatively short. I mean, it's about four weeks or so down here. Yeah. And then the Rio season is, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty good season. So, um, opening up May or, uh, early, early March to mid-March, depending on what zone you're in then running through, through April, first part of May. So we got got, you know, several weeks to go after them there and stuff. Yeah. But, um, um, but I think, you know, hopefully we'll get you know going back talking about like all the research and these stocking sites down here we're going to have more areas to go hunt easterns on here in the next 10 years or so as they're slowly going to look at opening some of these areas since they're doing doing better with the bird numbers and stuff and uh, really excited about that so my buddy's so wanting to to kill a bird on his property up, up in east texas and he's worked so hard to get this these birds stocked up there so that's cool that'll be a that'll be a cool deal when that happens oh so, yeah
2: absolutely that's
0: awesome but shoot well um well what else have y'all uh, y'all got going on i know you say greg and mindy they're they're on another mission trip and uh yeah i was so excited to have mindy finally get to come down here her and greg both come down yeah they had a blast and, uh, <laughs> took them out on the work boat and stuff we didn't get to go <laughs> shark tagging yet but uh, hopefully we'll get to do that this year um but we had a good time i think y'all were all coming down to ranch Ferries place and uh and stuff but um but they're doing some cool some cool stuff out you know on these mission trips with the bucket ministry i think and
2: yep but what else y'all been doing um man we've just been late season deer hunting here for the last couple of weeks i had the covid there for about a week it had me down pretty hard right there around new years Mm-hmm. Um, but, and it's, I'm slowly gotten over it since then, but now we've, Zach, Jake, Hayden, Ted, a bunch of guys were out in Ohio hunting. Keith was out there too. They were hunting during the late muzzleloader season out there. Um, we've been doing a lot of gun hunting in the last month that, which is, which is pretty typical for us. Once December yeah. hits, that's when all of our gun seasons all come in around home and, then Jake usually goes up and he hunts with family up in Wisconsin for their gun season in late November. Mm -hmm. So that's what we've primarily been focused on. But now we're, now that we're transitioning out of that, um, I went to the ATA show there for a few days and now we're thinking about um, creating more content for our deer school pages on the website, which is kind of our educational course. Yeah, that's we what I was going to
0: ask you about. Kind of explain explain what that is and how people can get involved with that.
2: Uh, that's just on, on our website, thehuntingpublic.com. And I it's, it's basically just a place where we can post educational content that is super dense. Like, that type of stuff doesn't do as well on our YouTube channel. Like, if we have a hunt breakdown on our YouTube channel where we talk about all the details of a hunt for 20, 30 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will get bored with it because they're watching the YouTube channel to, They're watching it to get educated, but also entertained. Um, So there's, there's kind of a mixture between the two, but the deer school is, is only education. So like Mm -hmm. Greg's got a whole section in there where he talks about deer behavior, Um, you know, dating back to his days where he was a researcher and did all kinds of deer research. He's got, you know, getting his master's degree and everything and that it's just there's a lot of info in there like it's yeah and that's the way we, we wanted it was it the the folks that were super diehard or wanting to learn more about hunting deer you know do-it-yourself style that was yeah. where we were going to put their content so we've got a bunch of stuff that we've created for that that just needs editing so lots of office time here coming up to do that and then obviously we're going to the turkey convention in february and that's quite the undertaking for us so it takes <laughs> our whole group about a week week and a half you know we get mindy and hayden and greg and ted and i'm sure there's some other people too going down several days before the convention even starts to get everything packed in there, merchandise and all that ready and yeah. uh yeah, that's kind of what's next on the horizon. We're also yeah. starting to dabble with more of these uh, short videos, like YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels and TikTok and all of that. There's uh, there's some really good um, channels and influencers out there that are doing some super cool stuff with that type of content right now. Mm-hmm. Like the Native Habitat Project guy, I've been watching a lot of his stuff. And That's been, not to go down the rabbit hole, but that's been one of the biggest issues I feel like with habitat um, is the education side behind it. Like we were talking about a while ago, how a lot of people struggle with knowing how to do fire or prescribe fire. Well, that that information's been out there in the past, you know, but it doesn't. I mean, we've posted that type of stuff to our channel, but not that many people watch it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think, I feel like it's super dense. Like it's, it's lengthy. There are 30, 40 minute videos with all this information and eventually, and like when, when a lot, when fewer people watch it on YouTube, the, the Google algorithm throttles it way back. So it doesn't go out there to everybody that needs to yeah. see it, you know? Um,
0: and, and not everybody can burn, like they don't right. have property They can burn stuff. So it's, that's it's right. But
2: catch your like attention with, Yeah, with the short form stuff on the phone, that native habitat project guy, Kyle, he's doing a lot of that info and a lot of that type of educational content in like 30 to 60 second um, videos Mm -hmm. just on on YouTube shorts. And it's super digestible for people and it's going over really well. That's exciting to me to kind of see that almost go viral in a sense because i i want more people to be aware of what they could do with that side of the things not just habitat for turkeys but habitat for you know bees and quail and pheasants and deer and all squirrels and rabbits and whatever i think that's a super interesting part of uh you know i guess what we do that's that we're trying to get more involved in
0: I know just uh, some of the reels and stuff I've made on Instagram with my different channels and stuff. It's crazy how one thing will just catch and it'll just, just keeps getting views and like thousands and thousands of views. And then you'll put one up. That's really
2: cool. And nothing. (laughs) You just know, I don't know where it's going to go from here. I mean, who knows? Uh, I am concerned about the attention spans shrinking, especially with kids nowadays. Because it's just swiping from one thing to the next to the next to the next, and I, I'm definitely concerned about that aspect of it. But like we're not gonna we're not gonna stop the machine from turning. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna keep going. So I feel like it's a good thing that that Kyle's out there and he's able to reach some of those people. Because if they're gonna be on there scrolling through stuff on TikTok, I'd way rather be watching them people coming across a guy that's talking about creative native or creating native habitat for wildlife than i yeah. would you know about whatever you know actor winning rehab this week you know <laughs> i mean i don't
0: <laughs> i, <hear> you, <laughs> I man. think that's it's, way more important it's funny because i mean everywhere you go now like you said everybody's just sitting here just just scrolling yeah. through watching all these things you know and and um but Every once in a while, you know, I'll even catch myself doing it, sitting there looking, and I'll i I'll finally find find something I like, and then I'll go and follow that person and then get more more detail yeah. on it. So I mean it does work. I mean it it does work. So um well that's cool, man. I know the other thing that y'all just recently did, I know Woodhaven, y'all just got some new calls that came out this year. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. Yeah, we've so, been working
2: on those for a while now. Um with Mike, Pentecost mm-hmm. and uh Billy Argus at Woodhaven. Basically, Mike, he called last spring and was like, do y'all want to come out with some co-branded THP calls? Because you guys are awful particular about your calls and which ones you really like. And Because for a long time, Mike has at Woodhaven, they have this wide array of mouth calls, which is really nice because one mouth call may work real well for, for person A, but person B may like something completely different. Like I love a combo cut mouth call which is like their old school ninja hammer but zach likes those uh split v's or snake tongues i mean and i like that combo cut style so i would call mike and i'd tell him like man i'm getting ready for turkey season i need 25 of these combo cuts like i'll pay y'all do whatever i gotta do but i gotta get 25 of the same exact call because that's the one that i run Mm -hmm. so (laughs) he's like instead of us Uh, sending y'all calls why don't we just build you build you what you want exactly what you what you're looking for in which we already had like he's already making a bunch of them that we like from the past but I used to go to turkey calling competitions all the time and in this new three pack I've got that cut that I ran all the time in those competitions that's what Billy made he made like five or six different iterations of it and then he would send them to us and we would try them and then send him feedback. And then he'd tweak something and then send us a few more of them. Yeah. So it was really cool how that kind of process unfolded because those guys are so good. Like you could you could put the mouth call in and record it over the phone and then send it to them and tell them kind of what you what you don't like or what you like. And they know like they know what buttons to press. They know what yeah. the solution is. And I don't know all of the details of that side. Like, you got to talk to them about that. But I just know I could tell them, like, I want more front end in this call. Or I want this thing to be easier to blow. They'd be like, okay, easy enough. Yeah. And they'd fix That's it crazy. and send us a new batch. And, and then we eventually got those three out of it. And, yeah, we're super stoked about that.
0: Well, that's, all, that's awesome, and uh, hopefully they bring a bunch of them to the show in Nashville here in a few weeks. Yeah, I so. think
2: they're planning on it. They're <laughs> building them right now, so... So,
0: that, that'll be cool, man. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's been cool seeing, you know, when we first met, that was back into 2019. Like yep. You were actually one of the first people I interviewed for this podcast, Yep, and um, and the first one we released, and man, I sure appreciate it, and, and seeing how this thing's grown for me and, and stuff, but uh, it's been cool to see y'all just continue to adapt and change but still keep the same mission y'all started with and providing this educational content for people that people enjoy watching and, and uh, y'all do some really good good stuff that's making a huge impact for people all across the country so thanks man we're trying the, it's, it's fun to watch you guys keep keep growing and, and wish nothing but the best for you guys and uh, um, hopefully one day we'll get y'all back down here and go do some more fishing so that'd be all right <laughs> that, that was a lot of fun taking the boys out and stuff yeah. and uh, catching a little bit of everything that day so but uh fishing's been fishing been really good here last last year man we've, we've been catching all kinds of good stuff down here so sweet um it's, it's been fun and uh, and uh, hopefully uh maybe we'll get to go turkey hunting down here in texas sometime yeah so. that'd be all right all right Aaron. well i appreciate it man i don't want to keep you any longer uh, but uh Hopefully y'all have a good turkey season. I know we're going to see y'all in a couple weeks in Nashville and stuff. So look forward to seeing what y'all can get done this spring.
2: Thanks, Darren. Appreciate you, man.
0: All right, everybody. Well, I want to thank Aaron for being on this week's show and, uh, really looking forward to to this spring and, and getting out some uh, some new people um taking them for turkey hunting and stuff so if you have the opportunity to take somebody out i really highly suggest you do that and, and try to become a mentor for somebody um it's so important to give people an opportunity to, to see if they like doing the stuff in the outdoors and what better way than to go out and chase some some uh, turkeys out in the woods so once you uh once you have one of these birds come up and and uh Come into your spread, to your calling and stuff. I mean, there's just nothing like it. I mean, it really gets the adrenaline pumping, and uh, it's the my favorite thing to do as far as hunting. So, um, really excited for this year and uh, what all we got coming up. We've got the the Hunt Fish Podcast Summit, third annual coming up this spring as well. So, really, we're getting geared up for that now, and and um, so. We're excited about everything and really want to thank you for listening to this episode. And if you haven't yet, make sure you go and subscribe to Impact Outdoors on iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever you can get your podcasts. We're we're available there and uh, we'd love to have you leave a rating and review. We love all those five-star ratings. It really helps our our ranking and get people to find the shows and stuff. So, um, Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life.
0: Yeah, baby. 6'8 8 Western. Oh, i there, baby. Right there.
1: Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.